Welcome to Season 2 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Danielle talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 35, Phantom Inc. Today, we are joined by Mary Flanagan, the designer of Mechanica, Visitor in Blackwood Grove, Monarch, Zombie Pox, Buffalo... Uh, many other games, as well as the founder slash CEO of Resonum Games. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Danielle, for having me. Yay. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you. It's always nice to get like some female representation on the show. Not always easy to find. We're working on it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. I am surprised that I've had back-to-back episodes with girls, and it is awesome. I know, right? It's great. Yay. (laughs) Hurrah, hurrah. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know you, mind talking about how you got into like the game design community and like how you started up a company? Sure. Well, it's it's actually kind of interesting because I um I'm an I'm an older person. <laughs> so I have been doing games for a long time. It's a number. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I've been I've been in the, doing game stuff for a long time. After I went to graduate school, I moved to Austin, Texas and was part of the first dot com boom. Um, in the 1990s. And so I was a part of doing games for like the Discovery Channel and I did games for um, uh, the ABC and I did games for various um, like the Madeline games and the Jumpstart second grade math and all these other kinds of. Oh my God, um, I love Jumpstart so much. Oh my gosh. Ah! Yes, so yes, that's, that's my that's my life in the past. Um, yeah, so I did all these all these edu- more educational games, um, and I then was doing a lot of my own stuff. I became a professor, and I was doing a lot of um, my own stuff when I made the first uh, online adventure game for girls in the 1990s, um, which was kind of hard to do them, but it was it was totally cool. Called the Adventures of Josie True, and so I've always been doing something related to games, um, and. Weirdly, though, I didn't do tabletop games. I grew up playing tabletop games. I'm from Wisconsin, which is like this mecca of sitting inside and playing board games all the time. (laughs) But I didn't do any um, tabletop game design specifically. uh, All the paper prototyping went into digital stuff until 2010. So um, I switched gears a little bit and started making more um, more paper-based um, games and uh, started Resonim around 2015-16 to commercialize some of my game research because I'm a professor and I teach game design as well as art and video art and stuff like that. Um, but I also, uh, you know, spend a lot of time designing board games with uh, my team at Resonim. That's so awesome. What made you decide on the name for the company? Well, I wanted to do something about games that resonate because we spend a lot of time talking about how people feel when they play our games. You know, like, how do, do you feel good when the game is over? Or do you feel like you've become a vindictive horror and have slaughtered <laughs> all of your friends? And there's a place for that, but we didn't want to do that. Um, we wanted to do something a little bit different um, and be kind of a little bit on the inclusive end of gaming. And then um, and then Resonim, a hymn, it sounds like a song. It sounds like a, like a sign wave and so it's a word I made up (laughs) very cool very cool I love that so much are you the kind of designer then that starts with feeling versus like a mechanic or a theme I I am and my collaborator Max Seidman is a mechanics first person and I am a feeling theme uh 
what isn't this a cool interaction? Isn't this a cool, um, you know, sense of how people get along? So yeah, I, I'm the, I'm the kind of touchy feely thing. And you can really tell when our games get it, get, get both of us kind of really right, because what we're always aiming for is something mechanically interesting yet easy to pick up and play. So there, we're trying to always stay a little bit in the gateway game space, maybe a little bit harder than that. But Phantom sure. Inc. is certainly a game that is uh, easily picked up by anyone. And it, it has a, enough complexity to make us happy as game designers. <laughs> you know, we're proud of its innovations, yet, yeah. yet it's still easy to pick up and learn and you can play it. And it's an awesome party game. So... So yeah, it's it's interesting to get the sweet spot, and it's very difficult to do actually. Um, so so that's what we try to do. That's awesome. It's great that you found a partner that can almost balance you out, and once you guys both hit what you need to do, you make this amazing game. So for anyone who doesn't know what Phantom Inc is, mind explaining what it is and how to play? Yeah, well, it's just out in retail now, and Phantom Inc is a four to eight player game about mediums like spiritual mediums communicating with the spirits and the world beyond. <laughs> so spooky. It's, it's super spooky and funny. We prototyped the game on a Ouija board. Okay. So, so we, we were going oh, so for cool. that kind of mood. We we're going for that kind of mood. Fun, but seancey, that kind of thing. So there's two teams and the teams are competing to contact the spirits. So the sun team and the moon team. So each team has only one spirit but they can have up to three mediums. So the competing spirits discreetly decide about a um, on a common secret object together from a huge stack of object cards. So for example, an object card has numbers and it says number one, needle, number two, basket, number three, mask, number four, chalk, number five, dog, number six, toast. And there are many of these little cards. And basically, um, the, me, the, the spirits aren't working together, but they do both share information. So both teams, spirits know the answer. Okay. So let's just say they both say number five dog. Okay. So they're going for dog, right? So yep. the mediums are, are, are on the, are on each of those spirits teams. And they're like, how do we find out? You know, what's the, what's, what's the secret word? Well, they each, the, the, each team gets seven question cards in a hand so you take turns you take rounds giving questions to your spirit the spirit tries to answer them by drawing them out on the little paper pad that comes with the game okay and the cool thing is that the 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 first team to get the secret object guess the secret object by spelling out the correct word is the winner but there's a trick to this the first trick to this seemingly simple game is that mediums can only ask weird questions provided on the question cards. <laughs> so, okay. so for example, let's just say the word is dog. Okay. We don't right, know that, but we, right. But we're saying, okay, how do you hold on to it? That would be kind of easy. Cause you could say leash. Yeah. Who's a celebrity that has or uses it. Oh, geez. Oh no. <laughs> right. What tourist destination would you most likely find it at? Oh, God. My brain right? is, like, racking, like, where do you see a dog? I'm, like, I know, thinking right? Clifford the Big Red Dog. I'm, like, that does not apply to either thing. I know, right? And then it's, like, what problem does it solve? So so, so you get a hand of seven of these questions, and you send two 
to your spirit and the spirit chooses one often there's no great match but sometimes there's a better match than others and then letter by letter they spell out the clue so you're getting clues towards that secret object but not naming the secret object right so oh mm -hmm. man yeah like what city is it most associated with now if i were gonna just go go to town on this I might start writing out R O M. Ooh, I know this part. And then you can yell out silencio. silencio. <laughs> <laughs> so so right. So so you so you're getting some information, okay? You've you've gotten information and you know what question if you're on my team, you know what question that I'm answering, right? So I, I, I show the team as the spirit, I show the team a question I'm answering. The other team, only the only evidence that they get to see is the stuff on the pad, the board basically. So they're gonna see ROM. Now they don't know what that has to do with anything, right? Sure. So then the other team goes, they might ask their spirit, what's a geometric shape that, include, that it includes? <laughs> And what's its opposite? Okay, well, maybe Ooh. they choose what's its <laughs> opposite. Yeah. And they write C, A, but they're probably not going to guess this, right? So they'll probably write the whole letters out, C, A, T. And when you're done with the letter, you put a period behind it when you're writing the letters out. Okay. Now, the cool thing about this game, you can actually play it like a seance. You can play it completely silently, which I thought was so cool when we were developing it, except for saying silencio, but you can use a hand gesture. Um, you, you can actually play the whole game silently because when you think you know the answer, one guesses by spelling out the word when you, when you have a guess. So you actually write out your guess. And if your guess isn't right on the first letter, the, uh, the, the, the spirits um, make a hush signal with their with their hand gesture so you have not gotten the correct word so it's this interesting kind of back and forth with um some hidden information but other exposed information and everyone's trying to trying to trying to work out the one thing that both both teams are are, are gunning for in this case dog so each turn can either be used as a guess um you could guess on that turn or you would submit a question on that turn but not both and if on the board, if you see these um, I spaces, um, if you're at, if you, if the next move is going to be having you fill out something with an I space, you can actually, before um, answering a question, ask for another letter anywhere on the board. So for example, R-O-M, silencio, and then if somebody gets down to an I space, somebody would say, what's the next letter on that? And then it would be Rome. Hmm. Okay. Now I have a lot more information. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. That is very cool. What made you guys decide to add that extra element of the eyeballs? Um, basically we wanted a sense of progression and a sense uh, we wanted to even out the, um, uh, the, 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 competitiveness on both sides because the eyes show up at different it's like getting rid of first player advantage basically because okay. um the second player actually gets to reveal earlier that was gonna be my question if the eyes were at the same spot on each pad or if they're different but they're different no, they're different yep they're different they're, they're cool. on the, there's the same on each team but they're different for for the teams okay so like 
say they had called out Silencio before putting the T in the period. And they the other team instead was like, oh, it's CA. Can we finish that out? It's cat. And then they're like, oh, my God, it's totally going to be dog. Could they then write dog out for their team? They had they 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 could choose to guess. Yes. Cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a kind of in the end, it becomes a race. But some people, of course, get the word wrong because some people might call might be thinking it's wolves. Right. So they might yeah. write W and you're like, mm, no, no, I'm sorry. It's not W. <laughs> and so then what uh, inspired you to create this design in particular? Well, really, I really wanted, I, I, I saw this like, you know, random cat gif on the internet. <laughs> That's where all of, good inspiration comes from. Yeah. <laughs> of cats having a seance and it just was like, it made me laugh so hard. And then it, it brought me back to thinking about how, when I was a kid, I had a Ouija board and how big and important that was to my friends and I at the time and how, how, you know, even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was a spiritualist and had seances and Houdini tried to debunk the whole spiritualist movement that believed in fairies and spirit guides and all of this stuff. So it brought me back to that kind of late, late 19th century, early 20th century spiritualist movement. Um, you know, they were, they were big on doctored photographs of fairies and uh, all kinds of really interesting stuff with technology as well. So, um, so I, I just love that era. And um, I thought, well, gosh, a Ouija board game. And, and it actually worked very well as a Ouija board game except that people would forget what they were spelling out and they would have to write it down anyway. So we figured, well, if they're writing it down anyway, why don't we just get rid of the Ouija board? <laughs> yeah, that's how it works with playtesting and developing, unfortunately. It's true. It, I mean, you know, sometimes you lose your, your faves, but um, man, another Ouija board game may be on the horizon. Who knows? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Well, I hope that ends up happening because this was a cool game. It seems so simple and somewhat obvious in some ways, but you have these nice little tweaks of just showing little bits of information coming out. That's really cool. What made you decide exactly. to make silencio the word that you yell out? Oh man, we went back. We just kind of, I think some, I think I, I, I can't remember if I was the one who said, and I was like, sirs and madams, welcome to, you know, I was kind of acting out like I was of medium trying to be of Beautiful. that era. And yep. um, yeah, uh, I'm sounding ridiculous. They put up with me. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I think that's how it went. But you know, sometimes our collaborations, we, you know, we involve everybody on our team, even if somebody's just stopping by to like, you know, look at art or drop something off. We're like, Hey, what do you think of this? You know, more, more eyeballs, the better in game design, you know? So, um, so gosh, you never know the, the origin stories of some of the things and the twists and turns. And so like many other word games, what clue words are like allowed and not allowed in your game? You can actually have multiple words. You could say things like um, industrial revolution, for example, but um, people are going to figure that out because you have to type, you have to write out, no one's going to figure out indus for, for that particular, unless it's like what era, what era did it get invented in or something like that? Then if you wrote indus people might guess industrial revolution, but yeah. often Could, often with long clues, people tend to avoid them because the other team gets more information. Okay. Would I be allowed to say, right, puppy is an answer when the word is dog that they're trying to guess? Or is that like cheating? Um, that That is allowed. That is allowed. Okay. So as long as it does answer whatever wacky question gets handed and I choose allowed. Yes. Yes. Um, exactly. Exactly. And frankly, 
you know, there's not a whole lot of easy ways to answer a question uh, like these historical, like, you know, what city is it most, I'll, I'll pick up a whole, a whole other set of question cards. How do you feel after using it, puppy? I, you know, people can call you on that because that doesn't really answer the question. <laughs> I just feel really puppy today. I don't know if that, I think right. that's happy. Right. What that's material funny. is it not made of, puppy? Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh boy. <laughs> Corella Deville. No. Right. What happens to it when it's left out in the rain? It's not a puppy. It smells. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. It smells like puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's so funny. And then how did you go about like kind of play testing and developing? Was it mostly done from your initial thought or was there a lot of changes that happened? It wasn't that that not that many. There were some changes, you know, um, the big one was moving from the Ouija board. Um, and then um, once we had a kind of pad of paper to put it, you know, put down, um, then it was a matter of generating hundreds of questions. You know, there's a lot of questions. Um, and then, um, and the objects. So we do a kind of thing where we open up a Google doc and we all kind of sit around and just make stuff up uh, <laughs> for a long period of time. And, you know, it was like, okay, what, what, uh, what, would it fit in my shoe? No, I mean, but you have to avoid yes or no questions you see. So there's that to contend with as well. So the questions are really kind of carefully designed, um, to, uh, to elicit, um, you know, a different, there's like, a, there's 102 question cards and 52 object cards and each of the object cards have six objects. So you're not going to run out of any objects anytime soon. <laughs> those are such interesting card counts. Why, why those specific card counts? I don't remember exactly. I think 52 is just a deck and it was an 102 questions. I, 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 maybe we, I don't remember exactly why we ended up with that. It is weird though. You're right. But we tried to squeeze every last question out of ourselves that worked. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I made 400 cards today. It's hard to come up with content. <laughs> it's super hard to come up with content. Once you do, you're like, ha, ah, now I can edit it and chop it up. Oh, gosh. Yes, no, but yes. it's... And what's cool about this game, which was interesting, is that we we had so 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 we were prototyping it with this Ouija board and like either tabletop simulator or you know one of the you know or the tabletopia or whatever. So we had this Ouija board simulator, and then um, one of our fans from our community built us uh, an HTML window that looks like the pads and everything, so we could play it online. Um, pretty close to the uh, experience of playing it um playing it in, in real you know with real objects and people and paper and stuff so that was really fun um every time i play this game i i, I have a good time you know so i all designers tend to be fans of their own games right but but sometimes you hit a game and you're like oh man let's play again <laughs> like this is one of those games this is what i just i really could play awesome. this game over and over and over I That's make people come over play it and you know we have a, this was so it was totally designed during the pandemic um we started really kicking it in around September 2020 and um and it's now in stores so it you know it took a little bit but it um but yeah it was completely designed when we were remote and um play testing online well that answered the question of how long it took that is pretty <laughs> quick turnaround especially for a party game during the pandemic yeah, I, I guess we really needed to, to do some online partying. <laughs> Honestly, everybody needed to do some online partying. They probably still do for some people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So what made you decide like this was the game that I wanted to put out for my company then, especially like during the times, like what made it special where that's the design you went with and how did you bring it into the world? Well, we had, um, I mean, we all kind of knew it was pretty good in terms of like, Oh, this is, this feels fun. This feels fun. It doesn't need a whole lot of tweaking. Um, and then, um, spring you, who was our, um, one of my former students who was working for us as a, as our graphic designer and then started doing illustration. She's awesomely took over the whole task of doing the, the art for the box and everything. And then we're all like, Oh, let's make it shiny with a kind of special, you know, foil and all this stuff. So we, so we, we all kind of got into the aesthetic. We, how we do the art style is generally I'll get an idea for art and people and Max and I will start to like make Pinterest boards of like different feels of like, well, if we went in this direction, it would feel like this. We went in this direction, it would feel like this. And we kind of gather art styles and kind of narrow it down to a, to a, to an art style direction. Um, I've never thought of using Pinterest like that. That's actually really smart. Wow. I feel dumb that I never thought about it. Do it, do it. <laughs> and that's often how we find our illustrators. If you see someone's art showing up over and over in your Pinterest, you're like, who is this person? And that's actually, um, for other games, that's how we actually got Anne-Marie Destour, who, is, um, uh, who did the art for um, Mechanica and is also doing the art for our upcoming game, which uh, is going to go on Kickstarter soon. Oh, that's awesome. I love Mechanica. Uh-huh. It was so cute with the little pieces and the like, it's like little puzzles. And then when you spin the thing and stuff drops, like it, just the components were really cool. That's like what caught my attention with the art and the components. I had to learn more about it. So Anne-Marie, uh, she, she, uh, or Anne-Sophie, I'm sorry, Anne-Sophie Destour is doing um, the art for our next game, Glitch Squad, which is going to be kickstarted. We just finished a Kickstarter for Retrograde and then we're going to do another one. So many, many games cooking over here. Awesome. Do you want to give like a quick brief on what it is like about? Well, Retrograde that just finished this Kickstarter is a real-time roll and write um, that's set in a 1980s arcade where you have these cute little, you know, Space Invader alien die and you and like you shake, shake your dice and you, you grab target cards to blast invaders out of this arcade screen. So it's um, kind of zany, chaotic Yahtzee meets aliens thing. Um, <laughs> that sounds fun. It's, it's totally fun. And then um, the the game afterwards called Glitch Squad is a team based game in which you're collecting evidence and trying to um, trying to get to the bottom of a, 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 a kind of a mystery situation. I'll put it at that. Dun, okay. Dun, dun. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And then, uh, well, as far as like, I guess your game that we were talking about, Phantom Ink goes. I know you said it like more recently came out. How is it selling? How are people receiving it? Yeah, I think it just went to into retail within the last month or two, and I think it's first we did a we did a first con experience at um, at PAX Unplugged in December, but we didn't, it was a pre-order situation. We didn't have any um, games physically there. Now we do have the games. And so we, uh, Max was just at Granite State Games uh, and we are going to be at Gen Con and, and, and PAX um, East and a whole bunch of other places uh, as it's like a, the grand tour this year. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to see real people playing our real game. <laughs> you know, 
yeah. mean, it's been so weird and it's great to connect with everyone online. If that was also really meaningful because you get to know people over a longer period of time and some like the Twitch community and stuff like that. But, um, but it's also great to like meet some of these people, you know, only through the internet or only through like one, you know, one play three years ago, come back to the booth, say hi. And, um, so that's really exciting. Um, so yeah, um, it's so far doing well. Um, it may, Phantom Inc may go to, it's already in, in books a million, I believe, including in, and it's in our web store, of course, and Amazon. But, um, of course we want, um, and it's now in distribution for, uh, local game stores. So if, if you're interested, you should order it through your local game store first. And if not, um, look for it at books a million or Amazon and our web store and possibly in the future, another large store like uh, Barnes and Noble. We're working on that. Ooh, well, I really hope it ends up there. I'm so sad. I'm trying to think now because I was at PAX Unplugged. If I ever walked by, I feel like I did see kind of like it might have been an end cap, but it had like really creepy culty vibes. Maybe that was your booth. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) In the necessary saying creepy, like in a cool way. (laughs) Right. We had we we had some faux candles. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. all right i don't know it might have been you maybe it wasn't i was like running around packs <laughs> yeah that was fun that was really fun yeah and i definitely agree with the, everyone being online and finally get to see people i feel like when everyone went online and we started up a bunch of those online design groups i made a ton of like digital friends and then we finally started going to conventions i was like oh my god like someone will come up and hug me and i'm just like who are you oh wait you're this person and you get all excited and it's like we're friends without actually having ever met physically in person <laughs> right isn't that cool it's a, it's it's an interesting uh it's a totally interesting journey on that Definitely, definitely. But I'm, I, I think it's really, I feel a little bad because some of our games did, like we have a, our last game um, before Phantom Inc. was Surrealist Dinner Party. And it's, it's great. It has, it's, it's based on real life surrealist artists from around the world. And it's, it's really, I think it's a beautiful game and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but um, it, it was launched during, you know, right in the middle of the, the COVID and it really didn't have the launch party it should. So we've got, we've got a lot of games to share, actually. <laughs> I'll definitely have to check out your booth then. So what do you teach? Like you teach like game design stuff. I feel like you teach history just from like the themes I'm hearing of these games. Um, no, I teach game design. Um, I just happen to be a history geek. Um, and That's I do also know a lot about game history. So there you go. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. It bleeds into it. Cause I'm just like, there's this passion in here. And I'm like, do you also teach it? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it comes out. It comes out. I like context, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I teach video art and new media types of things and digital art and culture and then game design and in my game design class we do digital games you know tabletop games sports um and we work in twine and do so we do a lot of different kinds of stuff damn what school do you teach at i teach at dartmouth oh if only i could go there I actually did have someone in my high school go there and graduate. So nice. someone did. Maybe, maybe they were in my uh, game design class. <laughs> you know, I think she might. She was an art major, but maybe. I, I'm thinking probably not, but maybe. You never know. <laughs> that is true. It's well, a small I also world. teach in studio art too. So I teach the video, video art classes in, within studio art. So I go between film and media and studio art. And um, we don't have like a game design department or anything like that. 
Okay, you just made sure to like take up every class semi-related to it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. You are the department then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a character at least, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's what you need as a designer. It bleeds into the games. And so uh, for Phantom Inc., do you have like a least favorite experience and like a favorite experience in the design and the publishing and all that? Any good story or bad story to tell? I mean, when we had to let go of the Ouija board, I, I, I was a little disappointed, I'll say. I'm like, can't we just remember the letters? <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, occasionally as designers, you get hooked on one thing. And, you know, I'm pretty good about, you know, kill the darlings or whatever they say. Um, I'm pretty good about, all right, cut it, cut it, you know. But in that case, man, cutting the Ouija board, that, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I'm so scarred, you know, but, but, um, but there's so many good experiences from it. I mean, playing it with, with a whole bunch of random people has been, has been a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of has this infectious energy. So, so I have a lot of, and this game had a lot of positive experiences. You know, I have, I have other least favorite experiences that don't relate to this game. So <laughs> funny being a woman in game design for like my whole life. <laughs> It's like part of me wants to start delving into that and ask if you have any of those to share, but I don't know if you want to talk about them on there. <laughs> oh, I totally do. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, like, like many people who are um, trying to break into a, to a burgeoning industry. I mean, starting in digital game design, uh, you know, uh, it was, uh, you know, you always have to prove yourself very much so. And um, I thought it would be kind of different in board games, partly because women were more involved in, you know, the landlord's game, which be, eventually was Monopoly, was designed by a woman. And, uh, you know, so there's very, there's very numerous games that have been designed by women. Um, even, you know, the Quirkle and the, you know, sets. And I was like, oh, it's getting so much better in board games. And, and it's cardboard. It's not technology. They have to be nicer. And <laughs> oh my gosh. And it was, it was, yeah. And it was not true. It was not true. It was not true. Um, and one of the reasons I started my company was because I was uh, told to do a lot of, um, a lot of things I didn't want to do in relationship to my games. And one of them was with my game Monarch. I was trying to, I was shopping around to different publishers and, um, the, the publishers were like, well, you know, let me tell you something, Mary. Now, if you could change your name on the box and put a, put a man's name on the box, a German's man name will sell. Um, but you know, just why, 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 why not just do that? You're, you're going to go much further, um, with that. And what is this whole thing about all the players playing as sisters? You know, what's, what's your problem? Like, why can't you just make a normal family? Like all kinds of stuff, you know? (laughs) When was, when did Monarchs come out? Um, like when were you pitching it? Wow. That's like not that long ago. 2015. What? No, no, this is not yesterday. I still get this stuff. People come to the booth and um, people will come to the booth, you know, various people managing to do business deals and they'll, they'll like walk past me and then go to Max. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. Max can talk to them. I don't really care. I mean, I'm, I'm beyond all this stuff, but, but it's totally, it's totally there. It's still there. It's still, yeah. 
No, I've definitely noticed. Granted, I've only gone in into the industry, I would say like 2019. So fresher off the boat than you for That's sure. Right. Well, just well, just just go change that. <laughs> hey, that's I, it goal. is getting way better. It's getting way better and people are more vocal about it. So it's, it's really much, much better. And, and, you know, most of the, uh, almost all the fans are just like, they, they're, they, they want to support diverse ranges of designers. You know, there's a lot and they want interesting games that, that surprise them. So I, I, I feel supported by the community overall, but it, it it's, um it's not as though cardboard ha- has something, you know, it's it's like who who has the right to play? You know. Yeah, at least we have a lot more programs that are kind of starting up and like nonprofits and groups. Because like, I mean, I know that I'm part of like Board Game Broads, which is a Facebook group, and then there's also a ton of other ones that are Facebook groups or Tabletop Gamers, which is like G A Y M E R S. So it's like trying to support the LGBTQ plus community. And, you know, publishers are actively now setting out to find designers for, like, underrepresented communities. Yes, yes. It's finally happening. Like, it's great. It's It's finally – it's happening. Yeah, Yeah, it's finally happening. And that's really good. It's really good. But there was was some, you know, precursor (laughs) stuff. Oh, for sure. (laughs) There's some stuff, you know. But, yeah, and and I think it just, you know, the the more diverse creator, the more – you know, the more interesting games, the more voices we have. And it's awesome. And um, we have to, we have to fight for that. 100%. I know that I have been working on a game that's like all female characters. And I'm a little concerned because it was like, oh, we play all these games. And normally it's like either all dudes that you're playing as, or like there's maybe one girl or maybe two if you're lucky. And I was like, oh, I don't know how well it's going to be if all the like players you're playing as are females. So I'm like, hoping that by the time that game's out and about that people are going to be on board for it. I think that, I think that there's been a new one out that actually is getting a claim. I forget what it is, but um, that's getting a claim for the thing. I think I just hit, you know, a generation of uh, people when I was pitching Monarch with all female characters. I think now it's, you know, it's, I think it should be fine. Yeah. I remember the cover of that game. It kind of looked like scratch art. Like scratch board art. art. Oh, it is? Okay, cool. So then it totally is what I looked at it. And that was one of my favorite mediums to do when I was in art school. So yes, yes. It's all scratch art. It's done by Kate Adams. Um, Also someone we found on the internet and was like, oh my gosh, look at her art. And so um, I I, um, tend to hire, um, I guess only so far, uh, hire women, uh, female illustrators. Um, So um, most of the look and feel comes from women. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I definitely remember. I haven't played that game, but I do remember what the box looked like, and it caught my eye. So yeah, you got to play it. I have to play so many games, and you're totally not wrong. And you know what? <laughs> this is on me for sure. Send me a copy. I'll play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're based on the East Coast, right? Yes, most of the time. Yes, I am based on the East Coast. But what we um, jazz is actually in Texas, so we have kind of we become distributed. Well, you're just growing an empire. Yeah, a non non colonial empire. <laughs> a network. Probably best to specify. A network is much better. Okay. Well, then here with your experience and your like teachings, could you offer like one piece of advice? You only get to choose one. You could, if you want to give a little extra, it's fine. I won't hurt you for it. But uh, <laughs> give one advice to designers. What would it be? One piece of advice. There's so many advices. It's like a, it's like it's like reaching into a jar full of stuff and grabbing a tiny thing. 
Yeah, we'll think of today's um, fortune cookie. What's today's fortune cookie telling the designers? I would say stick to the thing you love. It doesn't, you know, if, if, you've, if you've been following your design process really well, right, and you're actually listening to players and you're, at, you're not just hooked on this thing and no one ever wants to play it. And when you go to a play test group, nobody wants to, you know, if you actually have honed your thing and it's coming along and you, you've kept your ears open, you know, be dedicated and stick, stick to your guns and, and see it through to the end. Um, you know, I think a lot of times it's persistence pays, right? So uh, being kind of doggedly persistent happens to be a personal trait. I mean, it's clearly working for you. So <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree. Like, I know I got where I ended up wherever that is by saying yes to too many things and joining way too many nonprofits and just kind of putting my name out there. So I agreed. Yes. There's one other thing. I have one other one. All right. No, it's fine. You I, would can say, do it. I would say don't be afraid to switch into gaming, even if you, you don't know that much about it. Because if you're, if you find it fascinating and you have a passion, even if it's only from one game or an old game, sometimes it's like, oh, well, I'm not a big gamer, so I can't do blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of mythos about expertise. And um, I think, you know, people who are good listeners and very observant can pick up a lot very quickly. And they don't have the baggage that, you know, longtime fans have, actually. So being nimble about your, you know, uh, and not being afraid to uh, to jump in. I think that's another pretty important thing. Okay, I'll that stop definitely now. is important. No, you're fine. I mean, that makes <laughs> me think of like when you're working out, it's like, oh, if I join this workout class, but it's like, I'm not fit. So I'm just going to feel embarrassed. And so then I don't want to do it. But it's like, no, it's fine. You got to start somewhere. Just like jump in. And exactly. most people are nice and they're going to be helpful. And you can just do like, if you can't quite do a push up, do a push up on your knees. And it's like, you'll build your muscles. You'll get to the point where you can do the thing. Danielle, go. You are a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or I've taken a few too many athletic kind of courses <laughs> where they tell me what to do. <laughs> but that's that's great. So then if you could choose, all right, this is our parting question. If you could choose a game that's already out there, you did not design it, but somehow you, you made a magic wish and now you've designed Catan or Monopoly or whatever, what game would you choose? Oh, man. <laughs> I know, I saved the hard ones for the end. Okay, so this is like, I couldn't have designed it because I would have had to have been born at a different time. But if I could have designed Dark Tower, my life would have been complete. <laughs> really? Do you know wow. Dark Tower? Um, I've heard the name, but <laughs> I actually... Kind of, it's complete. My life is complete. I'm pretty complete. I'm not... But I'm just saying, it, that that game like kind of blew my mind when I was a kid. And uh, do you know it? No, what's a quick synopsis? I've heard the name, but I've never played it. Okay, so it's a board game and it has pieces that fit together as a landscape that make a circle, kind of like big chunks, kind of like Spirit Island, um, but big, but less, um, it's a not that complex. And you go around to the end, there's some plastic things like uh, like uh, ruins and stuff that you, that you um, wander around and that's your civilization um that's kind of had and you're trying to restore it or something like that and there's a tower in the middle and it has electronics and so it you you tell it you're going to move left you're going to move or whatever you tell it you're going to move and then it will tell you what happens on that square so it was a way of trying to randomize the roll and move um with a with a digital um a digital deck basically so oh did they bring this game back recently 
Like it they sounds did. like a, I haven't played okay, the new that's version. That's why I was like, I've definitely I saw it on Kickstarter or something, and I was like, why does yes, it sound so did. familiar? And then I, that was, and so I was like, I'm I'm bummed that I didn't make the first one, and I'm bummed that I didn't make the second one. <laughs> what is it? Third time's the charm. We had Just wait, about wait a few it. more we years. Talked about it. I, we had talked about it. We were like, oh, I, well, I was like, you guys, we got to make Dark Tower. we got to remake that. It's just this property just sitting there. Um, and then um, and then I saw the Kickstarter. I was like, oh, man, somebody got a oh, great idea. Oh. You know, maybe it's not a great idea in this day and age. It's probably not. It depends. You have to make it more fun than it was at that time. Games could be less fun. But... Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, content doesn't always age well. That's like watching some of the old Disney movies where you're like cringing watching Peter Pan and the representation of Native Americans. You're like, oh, God. Oh, or yeah. Dumbo with the crows. I'm like, oh, no, cringe. Oh, no. And that guy, just the Snow White I watched somewhere and I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't know how you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of baggage. But we got new directions. We got new directions to go. And, um, and yeah, I hope to bring a whole bunch of new games to the world and keep, keep cooking on these. What we try to do is, um, kind of a, like a heavier game and then a light strategy and then a party and some kind of order like that, but not necessarily, you know, we'll break that rule, but, but, um, we'll kind of like to go back and forth. Okay. Were there any games that you didn't mention already that you want to talk about before we... Well, I would like to say Surrealist Dinner Party is breaking out of the board game space and moving into um, museum gift stores and stuff like that. So that's been exciting, too, um, to get um, a a game with more strategy than, you know, than a normal gift store might have to be able to, to, to break into that. That's that's kind of exciting. Um, we have, yeah, Phantom Inc. just out. So Realist Dinner Party's just before it. And um, our new game, Retrograde, should be shipping by the end of the year. So, yay. And then the next thing, Glitch Squad, so that we can get that game off the ground and Kickstarter. And that would be really fun. We're making the videos now and stuff. It's good. So lots, lots going on in your life. Staying nice and yeah. busy. Well, I'm excited to try out a lot of these, especially Phantom Inc. I feel like I could easily get friends to play that or bring it over to a brewery or something. They will not stop. (laughs) (laughs) Or trick my cousins into being quiet for once and be like, hey, kids, let's try the silent version. Oh, no, not that. Actually, I'm going to say that is the original rules. (laughs) Yes, you could do that. You not house rules. It's like, oh, I read it somewhere. Yeah, kids don't like reading rule books. Everyone just asked me to teach them anyway. So, well, I think you might be good at it. I'm just saying. So what's your funny. what's what's a game that you wish you had designed? Oh, all right. You're the second person to come back at me with that question. So now I need a different answer. Um, let's go with a party game. So when I was little, the family party game obsession for us was loaded questions. And so that oh. one would probably be my choice, even though uh, it wouldn't be my current choice. But in the past, that was like our family one that actually still comes out at every holiday, like every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, even though we now have house rules and I've kind of changed some stuff. Yeah, But I yeah. like asking random questions. Like my first game that I was ever on shelves was a question game because I like asking questions. So, oh that. my God, Phantom Inc. is your thing. Yeah, that's why I was like, this sounds like a fun game. <laughs> yes, yes. The questions are, you're going to channel them. You're going to channel them. I mean, I'm not saying that just because you play a uh, medium, but... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we actually had Make- the designers for Medium on the show too. So it's like now we have two of those kinds of games, which I think is oh, great. great. 
Great. Excellent. Excellent. Isn't it funny how stuff like cycles through the zeitgeist and you, you know, certain trends come up and there's like, Oh wow. There's three factory games this year. And Oh wow. There's uh, yep. you know, four games with marbles. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The last episode we were talking about how my, uh, the, they created a synchronized swimming game and then they're like, Oh, but also, Bezier Games came up with another synchronized swimming game and I was like, huh, interesting theme. And then the same year, two games came out with it. Huh. Okay. I, it does happen. It just kind of cycles through the zeitgeist. In fact, we had one game, actually Mechanica started out as a, a chocolate factory and because um, uh, I like chocolate. And um, and then we heard, we heard that somebody else was making a chocolate factory game. I was like, how can we? Oh, no. But actually... It ends up being that the that once we went in the deep dive of vacuum robot cleaners taking over the world and found all the fan fiction written from the point of no, view of there robot. is not fan there fiction. <laughs> I didn't. Okay, I saw myself from saying gross, but like, what did you search on fan fiction to find that fan fiction? Also, why were you, you write fan you, fiction? I'm just going to tell you. You can look <laughs> around and find all kinds of people writing from the point of view of their of their vacuum robot and some of it is subversive stuff and um that really inspires it really inspires a deviant vacuum cleaner game when you read that stuff all i know is when we're done with this i might have to write a f- i don't know if my fan fiction account is still active i had it in like middle school but i might need to go back on there and do like a whole love ballad between like a cat and vacuum cleaner because Currently, my cats have a very much hatred towards it, but I think there could be some love in there in chapter two, three, four. I don't know. I think. I think you. there's. I mean, that's some. That's the narrative arc you're working towards, anyway. There could be a disruption. I mean, let's just use the the, the cat hero's journey as an example. Wow, mm-hmm. I love that for me. Thank you for giving me something to do tonight. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> you have to send me a link anonymously. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, it's not anonymous. Who is sending you fan fiction about cat vacuum love? <laughs> cats. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> Max has two cats so, and, and a vacuum, so he also has some experience in this domain. Very nice. See, I have three cats, two vacuums, so like we're close to it being an even Are set. Are you serious? Right like, now, the that's cats. Like, Got that's like a... That that is a love set of set of triangulations. Oh man, yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll start closing this out with that with lovely that. ending. Yeah. So, with Mary, that. for fan anyone fiction. trying to send you fan fiction, uh, where where do they send it? How do they find you on social media? Yeah, I am critical play personally. Um, and if you're interested in my artwork and other stuff, I'm maryflanagan.com. If you're just kind of curious, what the heck does that person do when she's not designing? games when she is designing games she's at resonim.com and she um is um with the resonim the i think it's the resonim on twitter are we the resonim on twitter and i'm critical play on twitter all right all the social media perfect and then for me you can find me on uh, twitter and instagram as token gamer and that's g-a-y-m-e-r-s and thanks for joining us for this episode of game design unboxed inspiration to publication episode 35 phantom inc thanks mary for joining me this has been hilarious (laughs) thanks danielle This has been another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.